0: ball to first base, Gurriel is there, he'll flip, and that will end it. The Houston Astros, the defending world champions, are ready to go back to the American League Championship Series as they sleep the Indians in the division series. You're listening to The Weekly Brew with Austin Staton, Jeremy Paxton, and Hunter Atkins. It's time to sit
1: back, relax, and be informed. Welcome to episode 142 of the Weekly Brew Podcast. My name is Austin Staten, and in just a few moments... Taylor Bashani from the NFL Network will join us to discuss a little bit of NFL action as we are nearly one-fourth of the way through the NFL season. It's been quite the ride in the NFL. Of course, the uh, from a local perspective, the Houston Texans off to a 2-3 and three start. Uh, Deshaun Watson currently listed as day-to-day as the uh, Texans prepare to take on the Buffalo Bills this week at NRG Stadium. We'll suck a little Astros baseball real quick. Astros sweep the Cleveland Indians, and now will go on the road Saturday night to take on the Boston Red Sox at Fenway Park for the American League Championship Series in uh, what should be a fun series. Two of the best teams in baseball all season long, squaring off for a shot at the World Series. Of course, the Astros looking to defend their title, uh, taking four of three from the Red Sox this season, including two of three uh just about a month ago in Boston so it should set up to be quite the series but the Astros were really impressive in that Cleveland series uh in the American League Division series uh taking uh, all three games in, in convincing fashion uh pitching staff looked phenomenal uh the Astros offense the bats showed up Marwin Gonzalez looked great Alex Bregman looked great Carlos Correa who had been slumping only had one hit but it was a big home run in game three of the series so hopefully the Astros can get him going George Springer, my goodness, that guy can rake during the postseason. He's almost become, uh, you know, the new Mister October, uh, following his uh, phenomenal World Series last year in Los Angeles. But just taking a quick look at some of the uh, uh, the statistics from this series, these come courtesy of uh, the Athletic, uh, the Astros pitching staff held the Indians to 13 hits in three games. They held them to zero hits in three games with runners in scoring positions. So when it counted, the Astros pitching staff stepped up and did quite well. Uh, In in games one and two, uh, you know, they had back-to-back three hits allowed and double strikeout outings, something that nobody had done to the Indians in consecutive regular season games in 31 years. That's phenomenal. The pitching staff led by Verlander, Garrett Cole, Dallas Keuchel, Charlie Morton, who didn't even throw in this series. The starting rotation looked great. The bullpen looked even better. Uh, so if, if you're an Astros fan, you've got to like the the, uh, the shape that the Astros pitching staff is in heading into that series with Boston. Uh, and even the lineup, you know, hitting 327 with an OPS of over uh, 136. Uh, that's never happened. In baseball. I mean, that's the best OPS of any offense has ever had in a post-series season series of any length. And then they had a 421 on-base percentage, which is the best since the 1932 Yankees for the best on-base percentage of any team that has ever played in a post-season series. So if you're an Astros fans, you've got to like your odds to repeat. In fact, uh, the Vegas gambling lines actually suggest that the Astros are the favorite to repeat as World Series champions, but it's baseball. The better team doesn't always win. Things can happen. October is crazy, uh, especially going to Fenway Park in October, but uh, if you're an Astros fans you definitely got to like the direction that the, the, the franchise is moving uh, but uh, we'll have more on the ALCS and postseason baseball coming up here in a few days but if you want to follow our work go ahead and subscribe to our website at weeklybrewcast.com also follow us on social media at weeklybrewcast that's Facebook Twitter Instagram and of course YouTube and uh, here in just a few moments we're going to sit down with Taylor Bashotti, talk a little NFL football what's been going on this season who are the biggest names that are breaking out what teams have surprised what teams have disappointed so stay tuned for that conversation i guess without further ado let's go and get to that so it's time to sit back relax and be informed you're listening to the weekly brew joining us now on the weekly brew is taylor vishadi from the nfl network calling us from california sunny california and taylor it's been a few months since we've had you on it's been a it's been a crazy few weeks of the nfl season i don't think we had you on you know maybe it was the nfl draft or something like that but How are things going for you? How is California?
0: It's been way too long. I've missed you guys. I feel like it's, I can't even believe it's already week five. I feel like the first quarter of the season has literally flown by. And like we were saying earlier, every single week has, first of all, in every single week there has been an overtime game, which that's just not normal. And then on top of that, every single week we've had some crazy outcomes. We had one of the games was the biggest point differential ever with the Vikings and the, uh, Was it the Vikings and the Bills one week? And there was a big Bills upset against the Vikings. I feel like every week we've had something like that where the expected teams just don't win. It's been a fun season.
1: Yeah, I think it's a little bit crazy because, you know, when we were speaking last year, it seemed that the storyline was the injuries that were happening. I mean, we had OBJ go out. We had J.J. Watt. It seemed like there was a major injury every single week of the season and and this year it seems to be the storyline is all of these overtime games the controversy with the uh, the new NFL rules I mean I, I can't think in my lifetime at least recent memory of a crazier start to the NFL season
0: no I can't either and I'm you know the overtime games are just something that I don't think that any of us could have seen coming but then I guess the you know the way that the quarterback hits are definitely definitely an issue and I think that Mike Tomlin said after the game the other day Yesterday, I think he said, you know, despite the fact that they won, he said, you know, this is something that needs to be addressed. You know, coaches are losing their jobs. People are losing their jobs because, you know, calls are not being called consistently. And the officiating is obviously something that needs to be addressed. So, I mean, hopefully that gets figured out. But it has been an exciting season. And the fact that their knock on wood has not been that many injuries like there were last year. I feel like last year was just one, bad, like one bad injury after another, and it was it was sad. It was upsetting to see everybody's like favorite players go out. It was awful.
1: Yeah, I think you could have had like an all-pro team for the people that were on injured reserve last year. I, w- I want to talk real quick on the rule changes because, you know, I I think it makes sense to protect the players. You know, you you've you've got the the CTE concussions to worry about. Uh, but this season, it seems like, you know, maybe the NFL went too far in the off season with some of these adjustments. And I don't know, like some of the hits that we've seen on quarterbacks, you know, like Clay Matthews up in, in Green Bay, I think he's been called like three times for roughing the passer. Uh, you know, is that taking away from some of the, the, you know, I don't know, the fun in the game of football? I mean, from a, a fan's perspective, is, is this something that is going to hinder the NFL?
0: I think the biggest frustration for fans, I would say, is, the inconsistency i think that it's hard to, to determine whether or not you know somebody takes their weight off a quarterback after they are first of all they're flying at them and then you know they stack them and it's like what, how do you want them to land like you know do you want them to tear their acl as they're trying to move off of the quarterbacks like that's definitely something that needs to kind of be figured out but by the same token i do think that these quarterbacks want protection and they might not be the first one to jump out there and say it after a press conference, like, hey, I'm so glad I got that protection. But I do think that that is something that's going on behind the scenes, is that these quarterbacks do want protection, understandably so. But I think that the main thing that needs to be addressed is probably the consistency in officiating and the consistency in in those rules. And you can't be inconsistent from one week to the next.
1: Is, is that something that the NFL can do midseason, or is that something that you know, the competition committee has to look at? after the 2018 season is over.
0: To be honest with you, I would think that it's something that could, who knows, I think that they could look at it anytime, but usually changes don't really come about until the competition committee looks at it at the end of the season and goes through all those meetings and whatnot. So I I don't know how they're going to deal with it, to be honest with you.
1: Yeah, I I don't know. It's... It's kind of nice, you know, what it happens to your team and you get an extra first down out of it. But, you know, I, I do feel for some of these players, like, you know, the, the Green Bay Vikings game this year, you know, when Clay Matthews was called, uh, you know, the very next play, Kirk Cousins goes down, makes a, a beautiful pass uh, to keep them in the game. And then I believe it forced overtime. But, you know, it's just, I mean, it's changing the way the, you know, the playoff picture actually looks. And I've never seen that from a rules change before.
0: Well, I think another big storyline for this season is, um, offensive performances I feel like we have seen quarterbacks throw so many 300 plus passing yard games I mean it's unbelievable the offensive production that's going on this season from Jared Goff to Patrick Mahomes to I mean so many different quarterbacks are just breaking that Brian Fitzpatrick so many quarterbacks are breaking that 300 400 passing yard game mark and it's, it's unheard of before and it's, it's crazy to
1: see I know that you're from the SEC so you probably you know enjoy you know that defense at Georgia but you know as a big 12 person I love that like high powered offense and and to me the team that I found you know most exciting so far this season at least from the offensive side of the ball are the Chiefs you know 5-0 and off to a great start
0: he okay it's week five and he just threw his Patrick Mahomes just threw his first interception in week five he had 16 touchdowns before that. I, I've even added up from last, from week five. But yeah, before week five, he had 16 total touchdowns and no interceptions. The, comes into week five, he throws his first pick. I mean, that's just unbelievable.
1: And, you know, kind of in if, if you look at the, the NFC, you have another team doing essentially the same thing with the Rams out in L.A., Five and 0 Jared Goff doing things. Todd Gurley.
0: They're the two undefeated teams, and those are that's going to be that game in Mexico City is going to be unbelievably good. I can't wait for it.
1: Are you booking your flight yet?
0: I wish I could. I don't think I'm going to be able to go, but I'll certainly be watching it. I wish I could go to
1: it. So you know, the, to me, those are some of the you know the most exciting teams that we've seen so far this season. Who are some other teams that have kind of surprised you, whether it be good or surprised you as in a little bit of disappointment this season?
0: I think the Bucks came off. Well, first of all, who started really strong with the Dolphins, the Dolphins started three and oh, but then they've lost their last two games. So That was kind of a disappointment. Uh, the Bucks started off pretty strong too. And then they obviously have not been playing as well. So I would say that I think that the Browns, they've really definitely made a big, a big jump for the positive with Baker Mayfield taking over a quarterback. Uh, there, first of all, you could argue that they could have they could have possibly won their first four games. Those were all games that were called by like one score or less. And each and every one of those, you were on the edge of your seat for. They've already gone into two overtime games. Was it two or three? I can't remember, but I know that their last two games were overtime games. So that's just against the Raiders and the Ravens. So that's just crazy. Uh, there's definitely a momentum shift there, which is very exciting. The Bengals. The Bengals are a very, very, very good team, and I don't think that anybody really saw that coming. Uh, They're definitely leading in the AFC North. Um, I think that the Steelers are not as good as everyone kind of expected them to be. I think that the fact that Le'Veon Bell isn't there and a few other issues going on has definitely knocked them off their high horse
1: a little bit. The the AFC North, to me, is kind of just an interesting division i mean because like you mentioned the Bengals four and one you've, you've got the ravens who have looked good at times and that have struggled at times and
0: can't figure out if they're good or bad it's an yeah. impossible team to judge just on the teams that they've played and the different performances that they've had i think that joe flacco looks better than he's looked in any other year i mean i think he looks back to his old self before his injury i think that he look, he's come out really strong he actually has receivers to throw true i think that michael crabtree has had some major big drops which have Definitely kind of been unexcus- unexcusable drops, I would say. Like this past week, he should have had one in the end zone to finish the game off and win. But he just has had some major drops, which I don't think anybody saw that coming. But they do have Willie Snead and John Brown, who have been who have been very, very good for the Ravens.
1: Yeah, I think, I think another team that has kind of surprised me this year uh, in the NFC North is the Chicago Bears off to a 3-1 and start. They made that huge trade for Khalil Mack. I don't know what John Gruden and the Raiders were thinking. <laughs> but, you know, Mitchell Trubisky has looked decent at quarterback this year, and they're off to a 3-1 start. I mean, uh, what do you think about the Bears?
0: I think the Bears look really good. I don't, I don't think that people really saw that coming. I think that they've got a very good new head coach. I think that he is a very – he's very – his play calling is very creative. And I think that that's definitely helped them a lot.
1: I I do want to talk about Khalil Mack real quick because, you know, it it was kind of interesting to me that, you know uh, that the Raiders wanted to let him go. And then he became the highest paid defensive player in in NFL history, just a few hours after, uh, you know, uh, what was it? Uh, Donald uh, was given the highest. Yeah. He was given the, the highest contract. So, you know you let arguably one of the best defensive players in the NFL go I mean it's twofold one what was Gruden thinking and, and then two are does that mean the Raiders are kind of in a rebuilding process as they get ready to move to Las Vegas
0: I don't know what John Gruden was thinking to be honest with you nothing that whole entire situation doesn't make sense even if they were in the move to move to Las Vegas why would they get rid of Khalil Mack like right. it just Obviously, you might not have wanted to pay him, but it, how do you not pay somebody that has already proven to be as good as he is? It's honestly, I don't know if anybody could answer that question.
1: Yeah, I think I think a guy like that, that that, that is that young, that has not really had any major injuries, I think you lock him up long term. I mean, that, to me, that makes the most sense from a general manager perspective.
0: I mean, look at like 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 you said, look at Aaron Donald, look what the Rams did with him. Like obviously, there was a there wasn't necessarily a holdout because the season hadn't started, but. They were in contract negotiations for a long time, and at the end of the day, he obviously was worth it, and he, he has continuously proven to be worth it. So, how yeah. do you let somebody like Khalil Matt go? I just, I, there's really no explanation on my end for it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And kind of, you know, from that same draft class, uh, you know, you had Jadavion Clowney, who was drafted uh, number one overall by the Texans. Uh, You know, they were negotiating his contract uh, during the offseason. There were some concerns, I guess, from the Texans about uh, his health, you know, whether or not he was injury prone and and whether or not uh, they could give him a long term contract. And now we've seen two other guys in his draft class get massive paydays. What are the Texans doing right now with 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 Clowney? I mean, he's looked good the past two games. Is is he a guy that they might, I don't know, pull John Gruden and let walk?
0: I don't know. I think it'll depend, and I think it'll depend on how he plays the rest of the season. To be honest with you, he's got because of his injuries. I think that he's got he needs to prove himself a little bit more than the other two did, and so I think that it'll just kind of depend and see how this season plays out.
1: Yeah, the, uh, the Texans, speaking of which, on Sunday night, knock off the Dallas Cowboys. The uh, the two Texas teams playing, I guess they play every four years. And so there's a lot of people, you know, even talking about whether or not they're a rivalry. I've, you know, continually suggested that anything between the city of Dallas and Houston is considered a rivalry, whether it's, you know, a chili cook-off, whether it's, uh, you know, who has the best Tex-Mex, uh, but especially when it comes to football. And that game last night, going to overtime, uh, it was... Two teams that might not be that great, but the game, although it was sloppy, was very entertaining.
0: Oh, totally. And DeAndre Hopkins at the end had those spin moves and won it for the team. That was un- an unbelievable play. That needs to be on his highlight reel. As if he didn't have enough highlights already uh, that needed to be added to it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely agree. But, you know, there was one thing that kind of uh, stuck out to me a little bit. Uh, Deshaun Watson. I had I had a struggle there. I almost called him DeAndre. Uh, it, it seems like... Yeah, that that's what everyone is doing now, but Deshaun Watson uh had a phenomenal game over 30 completions, 375 yards passing, like 40 yards on the ground. Uh the one thing that was concerning to me, yeah. Yeah, it, it, the thing to me that was a little bit frightening was the amount of hits that he took. And you know, he was he was a guy that was injured last year uh right around this time. I believe it was week 5, week 6 of the season. If, if, you know, if, if you're a head coach in the NFL, what can you do to protect, uh, you know, your quarterback from putting himself at risk? Because, you know, the conversation that I was having last night with a few friends is he kind of reminds me a little bit of Robert Griffin uh, a few years ago with the Washington Redskins, a elite talent, had a great rookie year, but was, you know, hindered with injuries. And I, I feel like that could be the narrative for Deshaun Watson if he doesn't learn to avoid some of these hits or if Bill O'Brien doesn't continue to put him in these situations.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's obviously an issue, and I do think that is kind of, like mean, at the end of the day, that's exactly what these rules are intended to do, is to protect the quarterback from getting injured the way that, obviously, Deshaun Watson did last year. And so that's why those rules are in place. I think that if you, you've got to bolster that offensive line, you've got to make sure that you're creating plays that are more creative, that are not immediately going to let people get to Deshaun. I mean, I think that's a, it's a battle that every team has is learning how to build up that offensive line and protect your quarterback and give them time. Or you just need to be a quarterback that's just a quick-paced, fast-paced quarterback that gets the ball off quick.
1: It's kind of interesting because the way that the, the game ended yesterday uh, on, on Sunday night was a... Decision by Jason Garrett not to go for it on fourth and inches. The Texans have actually benefited from similar play calls and back to back weeks. Uh, Of course, last week in Indy getting the win. The narrative that I, you know, I saw Monday morning, whether it was on social media or you know watching ESPN or the NFL Network, was, what is Jerry Jones going to make a change at the quarterback position or at the uh, at the head coaching position in Dallas? How long can he put up with 8-8, eight 9-7, and, eight, and, and, and what seems like complacency with Jason Garrett.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, that's a question that I don't think any of us know. I think that, I mean, obviously being a head coach is a hard job, and I'm not going to say that I'm not going to sit there and like critique him because I don't know if I could do it. But I, I couldn't agree more with it. It's kind of like how long can they just be mediocre for. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think that that was a very poor play call. I and mean, he was obviously playing conservative. But it still just made absolutely no sense.
1: I I do want to talk real quick about, uh, you know, the rookie class that we've seen this year. You know, you touched a little bit on uh, Baker Mayfield and Cleveland and what he's been able to do so far as a rookie. Just kind of reinvigorating, uh, you know, the city of Cleveland, giving them new life, new hope, Uh, you know, could easily be four and one right now, currently sitting at two, two and one. Uh, he's been off to a great start. Saquon Barkley, to me, has been very impressive uh, up in New York. I mean, who are some of the rookies, the young guys that have stood out uh, for you? And I, I guess you could even throw uh, Patrick Mahomes into the into the mix as well, getting his first uh, really chance at a starting position uh, this year.
0: Totally. And I think that Baker Mayfield, since, they, since the Browns drafted him, I know that people were either like 50-50 on whether or not they should have taken Sam Darnold or Baker Mayfield. And from day one, I've literally loved the pick of Baker Mayfield. I feel like you need a quarterback in the city of Cleveland that has that edge, that has that cockiness and arrogance, but it's kind of like a cockiness and an arrogance that you need, because if you're going to be on a team like the Browns, who have historically lost several, several, several majority of the games for the last couple of seasons, you need a quarterback that's not going to let that get to him. And that's going to really be a leader and take the team on his back and not get rattled and caught up in losing, kind of like you know Johnny Manziel, obviously. Um, I think that it was a great pick, and I think that he has shown that despite, sure, he's not the tallest quarterback in the league, but I think that we saw what he did with OU. I mean, he just knows how to handle himself. He has got great pocket presence. He goes through all of his progressions insanely well. He's just an, a true athlete, and I think that they're going to be a team to be reckoned with in the future because of him leading that team. 100%. Hey. Saquon Barkley, he obviously knew he was going to be a stud coming in. He's had, he started off with, can't remember how many in a row now, but 100 yards. Uh, he's the first running back in his rookie season to start off with, is it four? 100 yards?
1: Uh, I think that's right.
0: And, yeah. So, like, he's obviously, but we all knew he was going to be really good. Denzel Ward for the Cleveland Browns as well. Like, what did he have yesterday? He had a pick. And he had a. I'm trying to remember, he had a pick and a blocked field goal. I mean, he was a stud. He was a beast all game. He was insane to watch. So they've got a few exciting players.
1: Yeah, I think, I think times are actually turning in Cleveland. I mean, you know, they were the laughing laughingstock of the NFL going 0-16 uh, multiple times. And then, you know, but I, I, th- I think they're starting to play like, you know, kind of the Astros approach, right? I mean, you you tank a little bit, and then you build up those draft picks, and then you're able to get, you know, multiple first-rounders. And it's starting to pay off with them. I mean, uh, you know, I, I think that they could use a little bit more... Um, time together obviously I think Baker Mayfield is only going to continue to develop but I mean if you're a Cleveland fan right now
0: Carlos Hyde at running back Nick Chubb at running back they've got I mean they just have a lot of talent on that team that they're going to be able to really put together and I feel like make a dominant team
1: you know you mentioned you know kind of the uh, the persona that Baker Mayfield has and I I can't think in my mind you know a, another quarterback in the NFL that has had that sort of confidence I I don't want to call it cockiness because I think it's like confidence. You know, he he really believes in himself.
0: He is cocky, but he's, he's got a right to be cocky. Like he, he answers and he works his ass off and he's in like, I mean, like you saw during hard knocks, he was in there. Oh no, that was, what am I thinking? That's Tyrod, Tyrod, but (sighs) you can tell just like the type of player that he is. He's going to put the work in on his end. And so it's not like a, it's not a cockiness where it's, where it's I'm so good. I don't have to put the work in. It's, I'm good. I know I'm good. I know I'm going to, you know, I know I'm going to provide on the football field, but it's just, and I'm going to put the work in on the back end in order to be as good as I need to be. And I thought it was really impressive that he, because before he came into the game, when Tyrod had his injury or his concussion, he had only practiced with the twos because he thought, you know what, if I'm a backup quarterback, if I'm a second string quarterback, I want to be throwing with the, um, with the twos. I don't need to be throwing with the ones. Which I thought that was, I thought that was really cool. Yeah, I, I think
1: it's just his his work ethic, and you know that the path that he's taken, being a walk on at both Texas Tech, being a walk on at Oklahoma, you know, going through you know the entire process, working his way up to ultimately the Heisman Trophy winner. He has got a chip on his shoulder; it shows, and I, he's just so much fun to watch.
0: And he seems like a class act guy too. I've got to say, like obviously, you know, you're a kid in college, you might do a crazy hand motion at the end of you know a game or something but other than that i remember he came on our, our our nfl network set after the first win in cleveland on thursday night and he just stayed around and he sat there and talked and genuinely seemed to be enjoying himself and just relaxed and cool as a cucumber it was it was really cool to see
1: i'm gonna i'm gonna put you on the spot here if you are building an nfl team if, if you have to build it around one quarterback Who are you going with? Baker Mayfield or Pat Mahomes?
0: I was about to say, I I would have to say, oh, Pat Mahomes. Give me the reasoning. It's a tough one. It's a very tough one. But I would say Patrick Mahomes. The only reason why is that Patrick Mahomes has had more than 16 touchdowns this season in one interception. I mean, it's just like a Cinderella story. It's unheard of. Um, And the only knock I can give on Baker Mayfield is that he's already thrown a few picks. Now, granted, he didn't start off with the team like Patrick did. He didn't practice the ones all year. So that could be part of it. Yeah. He also, you know, Chiefs have a great team all around. And so that could definitely account into it, but just from performance alone, I would have to say Patrick
1: Mahomes. Well, you know, Taylor. Uh, you know, we've 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 talked the NFL. We talked a little bit of LeBron. Uh, let's talk about you and the NFL Network. I know you've got your show. Uh, in in case you missed it, thirty-two. Uh, you know, back on the NFL Network. You're also doing a lot more. Uh, you know, outside of studio work with the NFL, some some social media work. Uh, tell us what's going on with you in terms of the NFL Network. What you've got coming up?
0: Yeah. So I've been obviously you still have in case you missed it all thirty-two. I'll definitely be out in the field reporting this year a little bit more, obviously still doing updates. And then we've also added like a social element to it. So every Saturday before the game, we do like the 10 things or 11 things you need to know going into week five or 10 or 11 things you need to know going into week six. And that seems to have done really well. And people can vote on which teams they think are going to win. And so I think that call to action on those Instagram posts do really well. And so that's, it's been really fun. It, it's nice to be able to kind of, it's, it's hard getting all that information in, in those 15 seconds on those stories for each Uh one, but it's kind of great because you just give like people just a quick, brief thing of what they need to know. And so there's it's great water cooler talk and even deeper than water cooler talk though. It's really like the interesting aspects of each matchup. So it's really fun. I've enjoyed it.
1: Yeah. It's, it's definitely cool to see, you know, kind of your role expand at the NFL network and, and being able to see you go out there on the field, get your own show. Uh, definitely cool to, uh, see that happen. I mean, who knows, maybe you'll be doing the Thursday night football, you know, uh, a pregame show here in a here in a little bit. But uh, Taylor, always great to have you on the podcast. And for those people that catch in case you missed it, or, you know, follow your work on social media, the NFL Network, where can they find you?
0: I'll be on Twitter at Taylor Bashotti and also Instagram at Taylor Bashadi. And then on Saturdays, you can go to NFL Network's Instagram story, and you can see everything you need to know leading into that particular week.
1: Taylor Bashotti on Instagram and Twitter. Also follow the uh, the NFL Network on Instagram as well for that great behind-the-scenes coverage. Uh, Taylor, always great to have you on the show and uh, look forward to talking soon.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me.
1: Closing time. Another great episode of the Weekly Brew Podcast. Thanks to the NFL Network's Taylor Bishotti for joining us to talk a little NFL action. Can, you can follow her work at Taylor Bishotti on Instagram as well as twitter also follow her updates on the nfl network's instagram page those go on saturday catch her show in case you missed it all 32 great program on the nfl network but uh, we really hope that you enjoyed this episode of the podcast of course the astros moving into the america league championship series uh trying to make it two in a row going uh back to the world series and hopefully repeating on the other side of the bracket we've got the brewers and the dodgers so it should make for a fun final four weekend or final four week if you will, in postseason baseball. But we hope you enjoyed the episode. And if you want to continue to follow our work, just got a weekly brewcast on uh, your mobile device. Hit subscribe. You get updates pushed automatically to your phone. Also subscribe to our social media channels at Weekly Brewcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and of course, YouTube. Uh, So we hope you enjoyed episode 142 of the podcast. My name's Austin Statton. We'll talk to you soon.
0: You've been listening to the Weekly Brew.